Welcome to the Mary Gostolo Girl Ahead podcast, the weekly unique insight into luxury hospitality around the world by those who know it best. Brought to you by Jetex, the world's favorite private aviation company. My new friend, Adia Akpan, is an extraordinary traveler. She works with Microsoft, and along her short way, she's a young millennial. She has become addicted to luxury hotels. Now, I want to find out what brought her to this fascination, what she wants from hotels, and how the industry can give her and her peers an even better experience. Let's hear her now. Edea, how do you describe yourself? I would describe myself as a nomad. Um, Everywhere is home and nowhere is home, if that makes sense. I'm very curious about the world and I just enjoy going to new places, interacting with new people, just having friends and family all over the world. I can't think of anything better. When did that international bug start, do you think? I have thought about that. I think it started as a kid with books. Um, I grew up in in Texas, primarily as a kid in Arizona, but primarily in Texas. And it, it would just be too hot to go play outside in the summertime or just the really warm months. So I remember a lot of trips to the library. There'd be a limit on how many books you could check out. And I always went over the limit. I could read like 12, 15 books within a month. Um, So books were a way for me to escape, be a different person, be in a different space and time, a different country, wherever I could become whoever I wanted to be. So I think the travel bug started with books as a kid. But then you actually started traveling. Did you start by yourself or did you start with your parents or a friend? Yeah, it started out with family. I think my earliest trips were um, church-related trips. And I was also in band as a kid. I played clarinet. So if it wasn't church-related trips, it was band-related trips. We would play um, around Tucson, Arizona, around Arizona, and we would go to California. We'd play at um, Disneyland. So that was that was getting you out of your home territory, and and, and then that grew and grew and grew. Yes. And you were telling me that you then backpacked in many countries. Yes, I my biggest regret of college was not um, studying abroad. Um, I was just I I was super plus size then, and I was very self conscious about my image, and I just. I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. So um, I was still plus size when I did go backpacking in my uh, mid to late 20s. And I just, I wish I had done it sooner, but I'm glad I did it when I did. And it was amazing. So you got over, obviously, any self-consciousness. And did you feel self-conscious at all at early stages, traveling by yourself? Um, Yes, But, you know, because I've had flat anxiety, I've had, um, you know, body image stuff, but the desire to travel has always been greater than whatever 
stresses, issues, insecurities I, I have. The, the desire to explore is just so great that it doesn't matter what's going on with me emotionally. I just push past it and I get on that plane and go. You were obviously very influenced by the hostels that you stayed in because you were telling me how you wished hotels would think more in terms of hostels and you put more luxury in. Yeah. Um, what did you like about the whole hostel experience? It's so easy to meet people and befriend, befriend people. Um, I, I remember one of my favorite hostels was in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, beautiful breakfast spread. We'd come down the stairs and have breakfast. And it was as simple as greeting somebody, asking what they're doing that day, and asking if you can tag along or you share what you're doing. Somebody, It's just very natural to connect with people and spend time with them. And you spill your guts to them. You don't even know them, but you're sharing all of these things that you wouldn't share with friends or family back home. This is actually a perfect point to get in onto solo travel because there are more and more people traveling solo. Some people are by themselves. I'm by myself now. Um, but there are others who like to get away from their home, from their family, and actually just take a little break. And there are more and more articles about how hotels, resorts, and cruise ships have to accommodate solo travelers. Solo travelers actually penalize, particularly cruise lines, as you know, because you pay a single supplement that's virtually paying for two people in a cruise cabin. Hotels are not quite so bad, but even so, there are challenges. How would you like hotels better to accommodate the solo traveler? I, I think having more opportunities to meet other guests would be great. Um, I know they do. I know a lot of hotels do like a wine hour. It doesn't have to be alcohol related. A lot, a lot more people are going no alcohol. So I think more opportunities to meet people, um, whether it's at the hotel or around the hotel. I think at the the Cordis Hotel in Hong Kong, they did tours in the neighborhood. So it was a good mm. way to meet, to connect with locals and also connect with your fellow guests. So just, I think, more activities that kind of make sense with, the, with that particular hotel's aesthetic. Or... That's a brilliant idea because it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of skill. It's not like um, going up a mountain with a group. It's not like taking a scenic tour in a car for a day, but a, a local walking tour benefits everybody. Yes. A little bit of exercise, introduction to the locale, and meeting other people. If we can go back to the idea of having a cocktail hour, it used to be done much more regularly in hotels, you know, general managers, the uh, much feared GMs used to have cocktail parties. Oh. The idea they said was to introduce all the guests to each other, but really management used it as a great opportunity to find out what guests wanted. Did they, it, oh, I can see your face I lighting. I love that. I don't think I've ever been to... I can't think of any cocktail hour or like a happy hour where 
a higher up person was there. It's just whoever's, you know, in catering food that's, you know, staff there. That I think that's amazing. That's a great way to get feedback. Your eyes have opened up to the size of sources in here. You love the idea. When you have this talented lover of luxury hotels staying with you, guys and girls out there in 155 countries listening to this, make sure that you hold a party while she's in-house and you better be there yourself. When did you start thinking of luxury hotels as a trophy collection? There there was a shift that happened last decade. I don't know if they said millennials kind of spurred it on, but there was a shift that um, a lot of us started collecting experiences more than we wanted to collect things. I didn't want to be tied down to one location, I think that's where it started. I, I've worked in different cities the past uh, past ten years, so I haven't been in one place super long, and so you know it didn't make sense to have all these things that could keep me tied down in one place. And I think that's kind of what kicked it off with the travel. It's I can go to different places, and when I'm done, I can move on to the next place. And, you know, if I, if I want to stay longer, I can, but I don't have to. Nothing's keeping me tied down. How do you choose? Let's say, let's say you um, need to or you want to go to Hong Kong. You mentioned Cordis before. But how would you choose a hotel in Hong Kong when you could choose any hotel, what would you do? Do you look online or do you ask your pals? I, I look online. I I start with websites like Booking. I, I've learned not to book with Booking because you get a better rate direct, but I'll use sites like Booking. I still find them really valuable and I look at the ratings. I think it's out of 10 and I tend to look at hotels. There are some exceptions, um, but I tend to look at hotels that have a nine rating or above. So I start with that batch and then look at the neighborhood, look at what the reviews say. Um, and that's important looking at the reviews. Uh, someone's pro and con could, someone's pro could be your con and someone's con could be your pro. So look at what they liked and disliked and see if that aligns with what you want or don't want. And then I kind of go from there. How 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 important is the basic cost of a hotel room? It's important, um, but the the experience I'm going to have there is even more important. So I um, I used to try and stretch my budget just so I could travel longer, but I may not have had a good time. So I'd rather spend more money. Um, more money on a on a shorter trip, for example, where I know I'm going to have a great experience, then try and stretch my budget so I can travel longer, but it's going to be really inconsistent. Let's go on to some other questions. This is so fascinating. I don't want to miss a second of your valuable time. How important are brands to you? For instance, if you see a brand like a Ritz-Carlton, if you see a brand like Peninsula, or a, a smaller company, say the Dorchester Collection or Ertke Collection and Rosewood. How, how important is a brand to you? 
it's as important as the experience I'll have there. And I do, I look at other people's experiences through reviews, um, but the brand, the marketing, it's not enough. So I, I need to know what's going to happen when I get there, how I'm going to feel, the mood, um, how the staff will be there. Do people enjoy their job? Do they enjoy interacting with customers or is it just kind of, you know, it's just a job. So uh, the branding, the PR may bring me in, but the meat of it has to has to keep me there, if that makes sense. There's got to and be more what to happens, it. And what happens if, as might occasionally happen, you're in a hotel that promised a lot, it over-promised and it under-delivered, do you check out or what do you do? Uh, and, and this is why I'm uh, a globalist with Hyatt. I find they're pretty good about if, if things were overpromised or something went wrong, I can reach out to um, the globe. They have a globalist line or I can send an email to, I think it's called Consumer Affairs, and explain what happened. And they always resolve it. They give you points or a, a refund or there's an apology. Somebody higher up at the hotel will reach out. So they've been pretty good about um, resolving any type of issues. And then I remember I had an issue at the Langham in London, um, but I had a travel, a travel advisor um, who had planned the whole trip. So I found that so valuable to have someone that I could quickly reach out to because I was remote working, I had a wedding to attend, and I didn't want to deal with all of this stuff going back and forth. So I sent her a message, and it turned out she was at a conference with the GM of the hotel. So they all resolved it super quickly. That's when I realized the power of travel advisors. Like, they uh, can be so helpful. Could you always use one? Um, I I. I did before, and then I did more Hyatt travel, so I didn't need them. But I think my I'm going to be traving, changing up my travel style in the next few months. Um, so I'll, I'll do all of it. I'll do stuff on my own. I'll use a travel advisor. But they're really helpful in issues like that. Like I, I, I oh, go ahead. Uh, they're an insurance, actually. How are you? How are you changing your travel? In a couple ways, um, I so I started I started my um, blog like my my platform, and so I'm kind of helping other people with um, different types of travel, low budget travel and higher budget travel. So I want to kind of um, show people how easy it is to solo travel because a lot, especially a lot of women, for some reason, because most of the solo travelers I meet are women, but a lot of women are scared to solo travel. So I think that's interesting. But just to show them that they can do it. So I want to do more travel like that where I showcase how easy it is to navigate um, traveling by yourself and you can figure things out. Things go wrong, but you can figure things out. Um, and then I had a health scare um, during the pandemic that kind of forced me to stay at home for a little bit and get my health together. So moving forward, I can't eat everything that I want. I can't drink everything that I want. So that's going to be interesting um, because food is a big part of travel. Food is huge. Um, drinking alcohol is huge. And so I have to navigate <laughs> traveling without drinking and okay so so your own personal travel is evolving yeah it does sound as though you're going to set up a, a, a consultancy or that you will help other solo travelers i i would love to do that i would love to um 
pivot into some kind of travel-related role. Um, I worked in tech previously at Microsoft. Um, I'm still open to, to, to a role, a new role in tech, but I really would love something in the travel industry. Like, that's where my heart is. So um, right now I'm just, like, focusing on my little brand and, like, helping fellow men and women out who are solo travelers who are around my age, some of them married, some of them single, and they've got disposable income, but they're just, they're, for whatever reason, they have fears and, and, and anxieties about, about solo traveling. So I want to be of assistance. You want to encourage them, and that's what it's all about, is being positive. Yes. You're certainly one of the most positive people I've <laughs> met for ages, 